Here we go. You guys, it's happening. It is happening. Tick with a side of tets episode. Well, it won't be 13. It'll be 14 because I've got another one pre-recorded. Oh, look at someone with a big truck just went by. Now I'm in Edmonton. Just revved it up. Stinko Tedereko is right beside me for the first time. Welcome, Stinko. Here we go. Oh, it's been a long time coming. I've been waiting for this moment for so long since we can have, be on the same audio <laughs> the same internet connection. Oh, this I is, hope this is a dream. Yeah, it should be crystal clear. We got we're um here we'll cheer. We're drinking bards right now, tall boys. It's uh 11:50 Edmonton time, but I better sip because I got two uh two gigs tonight at the comic strip. I uh we re- released Brian Munns just cuz man, that what a that guy's story of how many he did 144 games in the SJ like just work like a dog than the dub. And then I recorded this four comic sit down in uh, Winnipeg. And this con, I just met him for the first time. I knew the other three comics is Garrett Jameson from Toronto. Unbelievable. I cannot wait to release that episode. He has a shit your pants story with so much, <laughs> like there's so much detail to it. Like he's got a little detail and it's so good. Like I didn't want to talk and I didn't want the other comics to talk. I was like, guys, we should just let Garrett go at it. So I we've got. You sent me a picture. I thought that was Gritty Gritty's kid <laughs> from the Philadelphia Flyers mascot. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> and I was like, Gritty's kid is there. He's in. He's doing comedy oh. in Winnipeg. Oh yeah. So this one, this episode will actually be released after you guys will hear that that four comic one. So anyone who is a loyal listener, we're getting a lot of loyal listeners now. This is great. So anyone who is a loyal listener will be that Garrett Jameson steals that last episode. That guy is so good. It's crazy how when we started this, uh, we were just very nonchalant. But when we take a couple weeks off, the texts I get or the the messages I get, when are you guys coming back on? When are you? So thanks to our loyal followers, thanks for spreading the word about Tick and Tets and all the things we got going on. And now we feel like we're settled, we're established. Is it, are we established? Oh, bud, we are established. Yeah, I'm getting uh, people send me pictures of their orders to Player Golf. So use Tick and Tets twenty for twenty percent off Player Golf, and that is all over the place. We should get a special um, discount if they show us their underwear after they shit their pants. Twenty five percent off, 20, extra five percent. Player Golf is a, uh, selling underwear. Be- Tick and Tets twenty will have a will have an underwear line going. Uh, toilet paper line. <laughs> yeah. And then it's it's awesome. So the club in Winnipeg, they couldn't even get it. So I had to like bring bards on too. So uh, I didn't want to be drinking that other swill because uh, I went over to Mike Keen's place. Yeah. And he was like, hey, uh, you know, Keener, the old uh, NHL, three cups, three different teams, only 11 guys that did that. Go over to his house for he a pool party. He started playing before we were born and, and retired after. Oh, he's, he might be still playing. <laughs> <laughs> he retired after you retired yeah, huge beauty just one of the salt of the earth guy unbelievable but he's like yeah come over i said okay i'm just gonna swing by the liquor store no bards come on manitoba get on it and he's like don't worry he goes if you could stomach ultras you can uh just come over and i said can't do it cannot drink that <laughs> that when they say you know when they, they're saying like, oh, it tastes like horse piss? Yeah. That is rude to a horse because I think horse piss might be better than that. I can't <laughs> believe people are drinking that stuff. I think Ultra for a while actually made you shit your pants. Oh. Even worse than some of the other things we put in our body. But It, it, it is terrible. Okay, so I told uh, uh, today's guest. Okay, we'll let people know. We, me and uh, Tets are going to knock off two today, and we're getting two old tough guys the second one you never fought our first guest darren kimball he was no thank god thank god (laughs) so um but we would have seen him play i remember him playing raider days and just uh oh i don't even know i saw him i saw him in a street fight once that didn't actually go his way i heard about that (laughs) but i don't know if we'll bring that well maybe we'll see it's not like he could come over here and beat us up so no so maybe we'll bring that up. And then after this one, we're going to record with Reed Simpson, who you did fight. Yes, I did fight Reed. But where's uh, where's Kimball living now? Where are we calling? What's the... I, I think he is... He's living in St. Louis. Or St. Or St. Louis. St. Louis? Louis what... what uh, <laughs> is he west? Is he on River Road? Or is he by the old college? <laughs> I think he's got the winery in, in uh, St. Louis. I think he's renting a room upstairs in Buddha's. <laughs> That, that is so gold for anyone who lives by St. Louis right now. Oh, God. 
Okay, so this is going to be cool. We're going to call them in. I mean, you're in in studio together. We're not really in a studio. We're in a comics condo. So that means there's a Playboy and two rubbers by the nightstand that's never been used. <laughs> okay, you ready? Here we go. I'm going to phone them, and hopefully this all works. And you know what I'm getting scared of? There's the odd episode that doesn't record, and I get very paranoid. So I recorded three in, uh, or four in Winnipeg, and one didn't work. But at least it was the one where... I was like, ah, I can recapture that with that guy. But I'm scared to get like a, you know, a famous busy guy. And they're like, hey, man, do you want to re-record that? And they're like, buddy, I didn't want to do your podcast in the first place. I don't want to do it twice. (laughs) Re-recording if it's a dud, just don't call him back. (laughs) (laughs) Or just tell him it didn't record. Sorry about that. Or tell him he did great. (laughs) Okay, one big swig of Bards. Well, you got uh, first quite. We'll probably just move right into uh, Kimball's uh, junior career with the... 87 88 Raiders. Here we go. I'm calling them. Oh, it just says new conversation and nothing happened. Okay, I'll redo that in. Okay, Joe, keep talking, buddy. Because now this is the first time we are doing this. Yeah, the uh, 87 88, I was 10 years old. I used to, I had season tickets while my grandpa had season tickets. So these are kind of like uh, childhood legends we're talking to today. It's, uh, it, it's kind of a blast from the past. I was, uh, I was about four foot eight, three hundred and two pounds, sitting in. Uh, I had to get, uh, the, you know, the double seats. The at double the, seat <laughs> the at the art house, at yeah. the Commuterplex yeah. back then. Yeah, my my uh, my grandpa had to get three season tickets just to take me to a game. But and even yeah. back then, people were complaining about your head in the way. <laughs> I said, "No, that's Renier." <laughs> Didn't you? Weren't you going to be the mascot? Except you couldn't get your yeah, head up I in the thing. They couldn't. It was a it was a Burt Plus they needed. <laughs> hey, did I tell you I got? I was asking when the Raiders were on that big run uh, last year when they won the WHL thing, I was looking for Cooperalls to get dressed up at the Raider game because I wanted to go as an 84 Raider because I had an old Raider jersey. Buddy messaged me, he goes, I've got the shorts. But he goes, I was like, "Ah, I'm not really looking for shorts because I wanted the Cooperall. He goes, but it comes with furry legs. I was like, furry (laughs) legs? Buddy in his attic had the original Raider mascot, Bert. And it was like the tail was burnt because he had partied. Someone had partied in the mascot outfit at the lake, so the tail was singed. I was like, "Oh, the stories that thing could tell." But now Kelly wears that to wash to make his legs look bigger. <laughs> hey, why are you wearing jeans to the beach? Why don't you just mind your own fucking business? Tarps off with Bert's bottoms on. Okay, now it's going through. It says calling. Oh yeah, I hear you good. Oh, okay, that sounds good now. You sound pretty clear. Okay, there we go. Yeah, because uh, me and Joe would have been watching you. With, uh, we'll, we'll almost start at the beginning. The 87, 88 Raiders with, uh, you had Medano and Pilon and 35 goals, 36 pims or 36, 35 goals, 36 to six, 36 assists, 307 pims. How, uh, that Raider team, what team was tougher? Was it the Raiders or the Saskatoon blades that year? Oh boy. Um, that, you know what? It, it was a good, it was a good matchup because they had twists. And Kerry uh, Clark, uh, Chase was there, Kaminsky was there. But, you know, we had Pilon, Reed Simpson, myself. Um, Sean Byram could fight a little bit. Uh, so, it, you know, it was, it was pretty well evenly matched. Unfortunately, I was the one that always had to fight Twister, though. That was not good, but um, that's what I had to do. Ripping off those names, was there anybody else in the Western League, or is it just <laughs> your two teams? <laughs> you know what? The good thing about it was uh, Jim McKenzie. Jim McKenzie and uh, Mike Keene and Kelly Buckberger—they were in uh, Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw. Uh, Moose Jaw. But Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't—I don't think Jimmy knew how tough he was yet. So that was a good thing. I got Jim, Jimmy wasn't Jimmy yet. He, he figured it out when he punched nope. my face back in '03, I think. He, was that with his dick <laughs> or his fist? <laughs> his dick might have did more damage. Thanks for waking him up for yeah, him. That might have hurt. That might have hurt. So who would you? Twister was a heavyweight on that team, but Killer Kaminsky was like a ball of fire. Hey, did you did you fight Killer? Because they say he he had no quit in him. Yeah, I fought him once, but I, I you know what? I, I I played with Killer in Halifax and in, uh, in Quebec for a short period of time, um, and I you know Killer was uh, he he would fight anybody at the time. He was a crazy little bugger. Um, but I like as far as he just all over the place. Fuck, he'd fall down all the time, and he'd be right back up fighting you again. You didn't know if he was coming or going half the time, but he was. You know, but he was he was game. He was game as hell. So it's uh, but you know, you like Twister and uh, and then out in the other out in the other division, uh, Link was out there in the other division. So I, I think that was the uh, it, it was pretty tough at that time, guys. So those those Link Link was probably 
in juniors, I think Link was probably the toughest guy in juniors. And then when they went pro, Twister got a uh, he got a little bigger, a little tougher, and um, I, I think he became the tougher guy. So being the area where you're from in Saskatchewan, like, did you know a lot of these guys in minor hockey, like Kelly Chase, the Calvington area? Do you play with them, against them, or is it just kind of the guys you had to deal with before you got to junior? Yeah, no. Uh, well, Chaser was up in Porcupine, so he goes he goes way up north. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting down there, and uh, I guess we're the Coteau Hills is what our thing is. But we, I had uh, Beachy was down there, Dinsmore and uh, Outlook. But I don't know of anyone that I'm trying to think. I, I don't think anyone went pro at the time when, uh, like, around my time. Um, so I, I, you know, I didn't know none of these guys. I, I didn't know. I guess I didn't start fighting until I was like 17 years old. You, you know, when you're younger, you don't even think about that shit. Um, yeah, you don't think you're, about you're it, and then you're, you're trying to find a, a way to stay, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. When when I was younger, and, I, and I'm not people will sit there and go, "Well, he's being a fucking, he's being a clown here." But you know, there was like 10 kids on your on our team in Lucky Lake, and I and I would at that time I was scoring like 10, 12 goals a game, and it was. You know, I, I could actually play the game a little bit, and uh, what I turned out to be was a, it was a different person. But um, you know, going growing up and going through the process until I was probably about seventeen is when you know I ran into uh, Patty Janelle was my coach in uh, Swift Current when I played for the Indians, and um, you know he surrounded us with a bunch of guys that were you know it, it was I, I have to say it's probably the toughest team I ever played on, and I, I didn't even know how to fight then, and I was with these guys twenty years old, and they're they're couple guys were riding in the Hell's Angels, and they ended up going to Hell's Angels. A couple guys did, and they were just tough sons of bitches, man. And and I I learned how to fight. And uh, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, that's where it brought it out in me. And uh, that that's when the that's where the you know you're going up to Flint Lawn with Patty Janelle, and uh, things are just going crazy, man. And that's what some people don't realize. Like just playing junior hockey, you have to be a tremendous athlete, and then you get there and you you have to figure out a way to stay. You're not. Uh, yeah. You make room for yourself, and then and then you know you figure out where you fit on the team, the team dynamic, and and the things you need to do to stay. Yeah, to be thirty-five part of it. goals in the Western League yeah. is uh, that's a that's a that's, that's a good year, right. man. You created some room I for was, yourself. I'll tell you, if I was uh, my 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 biggest thing, and uh, I I just when I got a um, probably once I got to about sixteen years old, seventeen year old, fuck for some reason I just didn't know how to skate anymore, and I, and I wasn't a fast <laughs> skater. I. Uh, it was like my fucking skate. My, my skating sort. Was your dad buying career, you skates man. two sizes too big? <laughs> still then, hoping you'd grow into them, or I, I don't know. Because when I was a younger kid, I could I could skate. I, you know, I was. Uh, but something happened in about the age of fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. Somewhere in there, things just went south on me, and uh, so I. But I was. I no, your balls hand. dropped, and there was an extra <laughs> there was an extra pendulum between there, so it was knocking your stride off. Luckily, that never happened for me. So. <laughs> But I'm not. I'm not. I'm, you're not talking to Jimmy McKenzie. What was it? I have no idea what happened. But, but my, skating wise, it just it just didn't work for me. And so, uh, but I had the hands. I uh, I knew the game well. I, I could play. I, you know, I, uh, I I could see the ice. I, everything was good there. And uh, playing playing wise, when I got to Prince Albert, I I got pretty lucky. I, Rick Wilson was the coach, and after the first year. Uh, my last year in Prince Albert, actually, uh, Will's gave me a, a shot, and uh, he he played me, and I got to play, and um, and you know things took off for me, and that and that was I had a great year that year, and I got drafted, but um, but yeah, skating skating killed uh, the skating hurt me because I could have hung around a lot longer if I I knew how to skate. Hey, you had Rick Wilson as a coach. Your assistant coach would have been you would have had Peter Anhold back then too. Did he have the firmest handshake yeah. in the world back then too? Well, yeah, Pete, Pete, I don't, I don't know if Pete even likes me, so, uh, so I don't even really want to talk about him too much. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's off my radar, so I don't even talk with him. But yeah, I, uh, Wills was, the Wills was the guy before me, so I was uh, a big fan of Wills. What was uh, Richie Pilon and Mike Medano like on the on that Raider team? It was, you know what, uh, Richie. A, a true story. I, my first, I get traded there from Brandon, so I come up in the, uh, I've been in Brandon. And I come up for a training camp, so I just got traded to Prince Albert, and I'm skating, and I, I'm sort of this this hillbilly kid out of Lucky Lake, Saskatchewan. I got the these, I think white, I think white blades were going at the time, and I was wearing black ones, or it was it was vice versa, or whatever. I just did I you have like white dork, gloves you know? and a tinted visor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he come, 
I was I was coming up the damn wall, and uh, that's when I met Richie. He he laid me out, and uh, uh, he you know the the guy Rich Richie was probably one of the hardest hitters I've ever seen play hockey. It's uh, he just come across the middle, and uh, he was coming with bad intentions all the time, and it's just uh, you know he he was a phenomenal hockey player. That's why he went on to play in the National Hockey League. He was he was that good, and and Mike Modano, you know that's just that's you know when he's labeled the best American player ever, uh, there, there's not a doubt. You know what you know what the scary thing about Mike Modano? I'll tell you a true story. When me and Mike uh, were there, and uh, Reed Simpson, I think you're going to be talking to Reed later. You, you guys said, but yep. there was me, Reed, Mike Modano, and uh, oh, something. I think Sean Byron might have been there, and Kevin Todd might have also been doing. He didn't need to do it, but we were taking skating lessons from Rick Wilson's uh, wife, uh, and she was she was show us. You know, she was going to because we weren't going to school where we had graduated already. So we we're hanging out, and we were doing these uh, classes, and and in practice. When at when Mike Rodano was 16, I guess I'd be 18. I could skate just as fast as Mike. So, you know, when when practice would come around and we started doing drills at, at the end of getting bagged in that, I'd always find my way to get near Mike because I know I could at least I wouldn't get laid way behind, you know. So the next year, Mike that summer, I think he grows like six inches for Christ's sake, and he might get 30 pounds. And and boy, that was the end of that because I I'd, I'd get far away from Mike as I could because that man could fly. Then boy, God. One one year of watching him turn from that age to then was unbelievable. So what he turned into, I was it was crazy. Is is that why he he got out of Michigan to come to PA because he was just a late bloomer? Is that because somebody coming from Michigan well, to he, Prince Albert is kind of unheard yeah, of? I, I don't know why I don't know why he gets out of Michigan. You know, I'm down here in the states now, and and obviously hockey's gotten a lot uh, better down here in the states and more. You know, the Western Hockey League and the Ontario Hockey League. You know, it was. That was all big back when I was there, and I'm it's probably through his agent at, at the time. I don't, I don't think he was, he was his agent for a while. I think Mike had a miscue with him, and but Rick Wilson must have knew somebody to to bring Mike that way. I don't, I don't have no idea how he got him, but when, when he got him, Mike wasn't. When, he, when Mike was 16 years old, I think he was 15, turned 16. You know, you, you'd wonder what the hell was going on here. This is the big kid that's going to come out, and he's going to be the next superstar and everything, and. Um, but then when that year that year later what he turned into when he gained all that weight and what he grew it was uh you could see that how god he was he was impressive he was impressive well then you get uh you get drafted to uh Quebec and when you go to Quebec you go you go straight into it too you don't even play uh in the farms right off the bat right you go straight into Quebec don't you no 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 i i i went down and i, I get training camp and then i head on down to uh i go down to Halifax for probably half the year and just before christmas i get called up and i end up uh coming back up for the rest of the year oh oh yeah yeah so you have okay i, I didn't know if you uh started with quebec and then went down babe but your first game do you score and get in two scraps is that true yeah that's uh when i got called up i was uh we played uh new jersey um and like new jersey and quebec we're at the time we're you know two of the lower teams in the league at the time but i got called up and uh, I'd fought, uh, oh, Christ. Well, I fought Maley for sure was one of them. And uh, Martins, I, I want to say, no, it's not Martinson. I forget the other. Anderson. It, Anderson was my first fight. And then I fought Maley. And then I ended up getting a breakaway on Sean Burke and scoring on a breakaway. And I said, holy Christ, what's going on here? <laughs> this, it, what's this league? What else has yeah. this league got for me? I've got a snipe and uh, two tilts. That's unreal. What a first, what a first game. Yeah. But so the inner competition with <laughs> with Quebec is that so was was Twist and um, and John was John Cordic already gone and Twist was there like was there inner competition for that role there well it's back in the days no, where you could have four I, or five I, I get traded for Twister so like two and a half years after I started uh, Twister was uh he was at the Blues property and and he was down in Peoria he, uh, for whatever reason I don't know what was going on here because he couldn't uh, they didn't have him up here playing for the Blues. Todd Ewan was there at the time, so you know Todd could play the game, and uh, and Todd was pretty tough. So I, I think that's what was keeping Twister out of the NHL at the point. And I'm not trying to say that Twister couldn't fight him. By no means am I saying that. I'm just saying that's just the way the cards were playing. But I was wanting out of Quebec, and then I got traded uh, to St. Louis, and uh, Twister was part of the deal going the other way. And then that's when he became a regular in the National Hockey League for a long time. What was it like playing in Quebec? That uh, like a Quebec Montreal game. What was that atmosphere like? It, you know, it's uh, it, it it was unbelievable, and but like back in anything in those Adams Division days back then, you know, you got Boston, Buffalo, and it was Hartford at the time, but it was still it was a, it was a big rivalry for uh, going on. But with Montreal, and which which became so special about that guys was 
when I was a young kid growing up on, you know, in Lucky Lake, you only got three channels. So you, and every Saturday night was Hockey Night in Canada. And that was when Guy Lafleur was around. And Guy Lafleur became, uh, you know, he was, he was my hero growing up. It was just, they're winning all the Stanley Cups. And uh, I thought the guy was, uh, in, uh, you know, he was the best there ever was. I, I had no, we didn't know about Gretzky at the time when I was growing up. He hadn't come around until I was like 16 or so. But um, so then I get to Quebec and at some point in time, Flower ends up coming to Quebec, so we're playing with Guy Lafleur. We're, we go into Montreal. We're sitting down at a, um, we're sitting in a restaurant with Guy Lafleur, and you know it was like a everyone was just wanted to be around him. It was a it was like a mob show. Everyone knew who he was. It was. Did you guys sit star, in the smoking you know? section? <laughs> yeah, <I'll>, yeah. <laughs> did he? Did Guy? Did Guy really smoke between periods? Yeah, smoking. Uh, he, he never drank. Every, anyone says ever drank. That's crazy. But yeah, he, he smoked between periods. He smoked between periods. It was. Uh, but he was, you know, guys. He was forty some years. Old. I think he might have been forty two when I was starting out. I want to say that I could be wrong, but he, uh, see the things that he would do on the ice at that age, I could only imagine. You know, because he was he was actually a Quebec Rampart. Uh, you know, you go back whatever the Quebec Ramparts were before the Nordiques. It was a junior team, I believe. And he played there, something there, and he like his names up in the rafters at the Coliseum, and it just the guy, the guy was unbelievable. He could things he could do. It was just, it was just his wrists were like, you know, I played with Brett Hall and Bobby, and I knew Bobby Hall, and the, like their wrists are like probably three times the size of my wrists, and that's what Guy Lafleur had. He had those big wrists, man. It was unbelievable. Wow. And did he? And did you kind of? Did you let him know that you were his childhood hero? On that, how did uh, how did Guy treat you? Oh yeah, he he was uh, he. Probably, you know, of all the guys when I in my time in hockey, he'd be definitely like in the three, four guys, probably the best guys I've ever played with. It's just, uh, just a total class act. Um, you know, he would do anything like Joe Sackick and these guys were just starting out. Joe was with us, and we they had these sugar, I guess it's called the Sugar Ranch or something, where they, you know, the sugar was the maple syrup and all that stuff was big out in, in the in Quebec and all that. And I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't get it. <laughs> that was after the sugar shack. <laughs> hey, what's Quebec City like for strippers as opposed to Montreal? Is Quebec City good or is it or is Montreal where it's at? Was was Shea Dagobert still still open then or because I, when I went through there in the oh, miners, yeah. Shea Dagobert was the spot. Yep. That that was the spot in Quebec at the time. It was uh it was it, the funniest thing about those places was and you know you know my friend Lance, Lance Peters. Uh, he was uh, your agent. Your agent. We, 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 that yeah. was uh, that was on our list. So did you pay him the full five percent your whole career, or did did he get a hometown discount? I think I think in the amount of beer that Lanny drank and I had bought, it probably it probably about ten percent of work. 10, 15 percent. Super agent. Oh God! For for listeners who don't know who uh, Laser Lance Peters is, because we were younger and I would see you guys around, and I was like. Who the hell is that one guy always with those guys? He, he's like the male puck or something, but he was always around you guys. And then later on when I got to meet him and kind of hang around, I was like, well, no wonder why they like have this guy around. He's a fucking riot all the time. I, I thought Lance yeah. played for the Raiders from 82 to 80 for, to 97. You know what? The funny, I was, uh, there's a guy, I, I don't, do you know, uh, do you know Wade Butchus, Wade uh, Butchie at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Butchie was uh, Butchie's a Prince Albert boy. So uh, when when I played in Prince Albert, uh, you know, there was uh, probably a portion of the period that I, I actually, I, I the one season I ended up living, I, I was staying at his house, and it was kind of funny. Me and Butchie, it was my last year of the year. I I had the thirty five goals, but we would sit there, and every night Butchie and me would, uh, I would have six uh, pilsner. And, Bo- and Butchie would drink six bowl before a game every night. That was our ritual. That's what we would do. And then we'd go out, and we were playing so good, so we had to keep doing the same thing. Not damn a bad thing. pregame. And yeah, that was our pregame. No, not pregame. That was pre night. So, uh, but uh, but Bill and Vi was the, the so they they and I was basically staying there with Butchie at his place. So when I was in Prince Albert uh, through Butchie, I got to meet Lance uh, Peters and Trevor Houston was another one. Trevor and uh, him or Lance were buddies back in the day in, in Prince Albert and. So we just became uh, buddies, you know, and I've uh, been friends with them ever since. And actually, Trevor and Lance were in my wedding, so it was uh, it's kind of weird. Oh, they, yeah, Lance is funny. I was at a bar in Prince Albert, and just out of the blue, the waitress comes up. And she's like, uh, this guy bought you a drink? I was like, okay, right on. And I go to get it, and it's a glass of water. And I was like, 
who the fuck got me a glass of water? And, I, and she goes, oh, that guy over there. And I look across the bar and Lance just looks at me, just gives me a wave. And it's like, just little things like that. He was just, he was just a funny guy. <laughs> Thanks for the cup of water, lads. <laughs> no, he's, a, he's, a, he's been a good friend for a long time. And I, uh, I haven't been back for a while. It's probably about 10 years I haven't been back to PA, but you know, we play the gets all the time out there when I, I'd always fly back and do that. And that's just a train wreck waiting to happen that way. So it was, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, just uh, a lot, a lot of good times. Oh yeah, the gets is if for other listeners, that's a huge drinking Calcutta gambling <laughs> golf tournament. That's just un- unbelievable. There's a lot of money floating around there, and Lance doesn't <laughs> yeah, mind gambling it. either. No, he's he's, pre- he's pretty good at that too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're okay. We're uh, Quebec, Montreal. Did you was it like when you played in Montreal? Like it was automatic that you guys go to the strippers after the game, right? No, not the, not there. Right? The, the, but you go to the bars. I think it's just, uh, I, you know, that they were there. Don't get me wrong, but uh, <laughs> the, the nightlife, the nightlife in Montreal and, and Quebec is pretty good. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the that's the one thing. The, the French people, they can, uh, they know how to party. I do know that. So they, they would, uh, there was good places to go, and um, you know, it, it was a pretty good outing. Okay, so you go from Quebec, and now you're going to uh, St. Louis, and then you get like guys like. Uh, Scott Stevens, Hall, Oates. Uh, what was what was St. Louis like that transition? Yeah, well, when I so when I got traded there, the Blues and the Blackhawks were sort of playing for first place, and uh, we, but when the season was over, I think the Blackhawks had 106 and we had 105 points, and uh, we ended. Uh, you know, the, the rivalry was unbelievable because I ended I ended up playing with the Blackhawks later on. But the, the you know you when you go into the Chicago Stadium and uh, there's, there's never. I don't care what anyone says. There, there will never ever be a building like that to ever play in front of the crowd. How crazy that was! And it was just you're going in there, and that's when fighting was fighting. We'd go in, and uh, you know, you got Stu Grimson, Peluso, uh, Brian Marchman was there, but you're going. Kurt, uh, Russell was there, so you know you were going in to fight, and uh, the, that that was your role. And so you know, the game would start. You're standing on the blue line. If uh, well, no, I, I probably if I was. If, <laughs> I don't wouldn't always stand on the blue line. I guess I'd be on the bench waiting for the fight. But <laughs> I was your, your legs are you know the crowd's going and that Wayne Mesmer was singing the national anthem and your legs are shaking. You know you got it's crazy, but you, you know you go out there. It was, it was just like you know I, I like to relate it to when people always you see like when Mike Tyson. I'm not I'm not comparing myself to Mike Tyson, but when Mike Tyson would fight, you know that big fight, you go in front of that crowd. You know, you're going out in front of these people in Chicago Stadium, and, and the place is just the fucking building shaking, and you're fighting, and it's just there's no feeling like it in the world, man. Hopefully, you're winning the fight, but it's but there's no there's no feeling like it in the world. Absolutely, absolutely, Darren. Look, because I tell people there's no better feeling than beating somebody up in front of twenty thousand people. There's no worse feeling yep. than getting beating up <laughs> in front of twenty thousand people. It's just you know, it, there's there's that is true. Yeah, you live by that's the sword, you die by the sword. Did What's you? That? I didn't have you down. Did you ever fight the Grim Reaper? Oh yeah, I, I fought him a couple times. I get him. I get him pretty good. In uh, when I'm in St. Louis, I knock him down uh, when he was in Chicago, and then I fight him again when I'm in Boston and in the and center ice in in Chicago, and we had a pretty good fight there. So I, I fought him a couple times. I've heard. I've heard a few guys. Well, I know I, Barnaby says he was. Uh, he was the toughest guy there was. And what? Uh, and you obviously know him now because I've done a few functions with the Grim Reaper. And it seems like I get sidetracked and hang out with him. Awesome guy. Awesome guy. Yeah. You know, the, the funniest thing about that one is uh, a quick little thing. When I played in Swift Current, <laughs> I was with the Swift Current Indians playing there, and I'm, I guess we're 16 years old. And I was playing on a team. Sean Van Allen was on the team. Uh, he ends up he plays in the National Hockey League for I don't know how many years. Wally played there for maybe 10 years. Uh, him, Aaron Janelle was the son of Patty Janelle and Neil Pogany, who played for the Blades for a while. Um, we, we, we went with Swift Current. We went down to Medicine Hat. They were playing the Pats, um, that night in Medicine Hat. So we drove down just to watch a game, uh, you know, cause we were playing tier two in Swift Current and, uh, this was tier one. So, you know, none of us, we wanted, we were interested in what it looked like. And we walked into Medicine Hat and when we walked into the Medicine Hat, we paid our ticket and we go up and we're going to go up to the stands. And when you get up to the glass, the from the glass where you're standing, the ice drops down about three feet. So the players, you know, you walk in and you're basically taller than the players, you know. 
And all of a sudden, we're standing there, and, and fucking Grimmer comes by, and he's fucking eye level with me, and I'm going, holy fuck, that was a scary fucking animal there. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm going, is, is this, because is, I played on a pretty tough team in, uh, in Swift Current, and all of a sudden, this guy comes skating by, and I go, holy shit, like, I, I almost had nightmares with that guy for, for the next year. I'm going, what was that all about? We're in row and 11, is that right? <laughs> What's that? He said, we're sitting in row 11, and he's looking me in the eye. Is that right? <laughs> but I was, and then you end up, and that, that's crazy, because I was, I was telling him, I, I ran into uh, him in St. Louis at a function, and, and I told him the story, and it was, it's kind of funny, because then you end up fighting the guy, and you know, you'd, you're scared of, not, not that you're scared, you're intimidated of him, because he was such a, a big man, but then you end up fighting him and doing pretty good, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty pretty crazy how the world works. Oh, It's funny, that you, you watch these people that are, are, are like, you know, in this place and all of a sudden you're on the same ice as them. You're doing the same thing. It's, it's intimidation. It's a little bit, a lot of respect and stuff. And you just kind of want to know how you measure up once you're actually there. Yeah, for sure. It's a, you know, just watching, you know, guys that the Western hockey league was good too. Not many guys besides, you know, when you're fighting Tony twist all the time, it's not going to get much tougher than that. You thinking down the road, but twister got tougher when he got to the NHL and you know, you're, you're running into guys. And back then, like when I was starting out, like, Cordic and Miller and uh, Dave Brown and you know you're fighting these guys too and Dave Brown that's a that's a that's a scary animal hey. there too and you, you know you do good you do good against him and then you get your ass kicked by him also so it's it's just that's that's the NHL though you, some days are good some days are bad. Hey, I'd heard that Dave Brown and I've I've heard this from multiple people. They said there was nothing tougher than an actual like a, a mad Dave Brown. It doesn't get tougher than a mad Dave Brown. I keep hearing Dave Brown, Dave that's- Brown when I hear it. Is one of the toughest. Yeah, I, I, I would almost, you know, I, I, I go there. Um, I, uh, I, I, I fought him twice in one game, and I, the first time I did well against him, and, and I was, you know, I was my first year in the league. I was a rookie, and um, I sort of, I cut him over the nose, and I was, I was laughing at him in the penalty box, and I, I couldn't have done that because he got mad. And, <laughs> you woke and, the beast. And he come, yeah, and he come out in there, is, uh, and then he, he, he fucking walloped me pretty good. But that's, you know, that's. The, you, you you learn, man. You learn you learn shit as you're growing up, and it's. Uh, but Dave, yeah, when he gets mad, he there's some guys that beat him. But the second time around, I don't think many beat him. But but I don't know. I don't think he ever beat. I don't know if he ever beat Proby though. I don't. And I I'll, I'll go down with saying that my whole life that Proby was the toughest, and I don't care how. That's what I'll say. Oh yeah, I think I think everyone will agree with you, and the ones that yeah. aren't are just trying to fucking stir shit up. I think. So how many did you fight Probert? Yeah, how many oh, times? Oh, you fought Probert a couple of times. I was going to end with that, but we'll we'll I, go to Probert yeah. then. <laughs> I draw. I dropped. I dropped my gloves with him twice. I, the first time I didn't fight him, he, he just beat the shit out of me the first time, and the second time. I, uh, I I did all right. I, I don't win, but I lose. But um, the man was uh, the first time was I, I just it was just a not not good for me because I I just finished fighting the guy and uh, Dennis Vial was there and Dennis was tough enough as it was and I I fought him and then I come out of the penalty box and I ended up fighting Bob and I didn't have the not that I would have done better I'm just saying but I didn't have the energy to stay with the man and cause his arms were so damn long and I couldn't get to him and well and that's what a lot of people Detroit, don't understand if you have a really good fight that lasts a good 30 45 seconds it's draining it, it's absolutely no draining there's so much lactic acid in your body and it's hard to recover from that to do it again and again and again yeah it's it's and then but it's when when i was there when he was in detroit um and i uh the, the year he was in detroit they weren't detroit wasn't that good but they you know that that cdy and them hadn't got going yet but when he was in detroit uh God, you know, I, I don't think I've seen a tougher guy on skates than that because he was, I don't, that one year, I don't even know if he loses, you know, he, so he might, they talk about what Crowder did to him, but yeah, Trace, that's not even getting beat up what Crowder did to him, you know, I don't even, uh, I don't even acknowledge that really, it's, uh, it's, yeah, guys are God, praised, praised one. just for hanging in there with him, it's like he's doing it to everybody. Yeah, yeah. and you know what, and that's the, the, the thing was, with, and the thing that I, with, I liked about what Proby got to do, though. When he was in Detroit, he, he the guys that got to play like McSorley and uh, like Chris Nyland. I, I, I talk to Knuckles still to this day, but these, these guys like Chris Nyland, uh, McSorley, and Proby that were allowed to play the game also. Because when you're playing the game and fighting, you're 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 a lot better off than come sitting on that bench coming off after two shifts. And you've had two shifts the whole game, and you're coming off on the in the 60 minute mark and to fight a guy. 
That's tough, man. I, that, that's the toughest job in the world. And I don't care what anyone says. It's, yeah, absolutely. You you're if, if you're allowed room. a regular shift and you can kind of dictate when you're going to fight, it, it's a lot different yeah. from then when your skates are untied late in the third and then you get the tap and have to go do yeah. something. It, it's, it's a lot different. I was there. There was point, and I will, you know, because a lot of the times in the NHL, in, in my era anyway, you were, you know, you went out, you knew you were going to fight, and that's, and people say that they were pre-planting. Now they weren't. They, well, they might have been. You knew you were going to fight the guy, but you you weren't. It wasn't no in the ass book. Yeah, you were you were going to fight because you were trying to set a standard for your team because, you know, you wanted to see if you were uh, up to the match because sometimes your fights would turn the game around, but. When when you were when you were playing the game, like when I was in Prince Albert playing the, my last year and I'm playing all the time, and I was able to go play and I was in the involved in the game and I was fighting. That, I, that's when I felt my best. It was just you were able to go. You you know you're not sitting there pissed off. You're not gonna you're wondering when you're gonna play and all this shit. You got a lot of shit going on in your head. Do I got to go out there now and fight? That you know you, you didn't know what the hell was going on. You'd get up and all of a sudden you're waiting two periods until your next shift. And then, you know, it's, it's mentally draining, man. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough gig. It really is. Yeah, It's hard gig. to go out and fight when you, when your warm up was two hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. The, the fight <laughs> when you're actually pissed yeah. off, like you just got cross-checked by this asshole or something. You're like, and you're legitimately yeah. mad at him, not as opposed to getting tapped from the coach, like go get that guy. And you're like, well, fuck, I actually know that guy that really? I used to play junior with him. We're good buddies. Let's go do this. Who, who's, yeah, you, you know what? It would have been better if you could have, if, if you weren't the first shift to fight, then you could have sat on the bench and had a six-pack or so and then waited for the next one. And then when the coach says, okay, now you go. Because I think then you would have been tougher if you could. The balance might have been not there, but you could have fought all night, I think. So here's a question. So let's go to, uh, was there guys that you fought that you that you just, you hated? And then was there guys that you fought that uh, that you're just good buddies with and it's just a part of the job? Who are some guys you hated? Who are some guys you liked? Well, I, guys, like, like... I was, I'm a person, I, I, I respected the game. I think most guys that, that did the job I did, I think growing up, and, and most guys that get to the NHL, they respect they respected the, the people that come before us. So you respected the game. And, and like Claude Lemieux and that, what, the kind of some of the shit that he would do, and uh, Al Samuelson, these guys that played the game. And not that they were, you know, I, I'm sure they were great teammates. They went on to win Stanley Cups together, guys. So the, I'm not saying they were um, bad people, but they they they're if you played against them, you would just hate those kind of guys because they, they did things just a little bit different. And yeah, they, they were kind of so the guys that, that didn't always answer the bell when you thought they should. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and, that's, and that's probably, that's probably the most frustrating with, with, with your job. And like what yeah. I did for a little, you, you get out there and you want to take care of these guys, but then they kind of mentally disrupt and they kind of run away and they yeah. do it sometimes. And I got, a, and I got, Claude, I got to get a hold of Claude Lemieux in the Montreal forum on hockey night in Canada. So I, <laughs> I got there and, um, it was, uh, the, probably one of the, it was, it was an interesting night for me because, uh, we, I get to fight Claude Lemieux in the forum and, you know, I, uh, I do pretty good with him. I get kicked out of the game. We go out after the game, me and Kenny McRae, and I think Joe Sackick was with us, and, you know, you have a couple pops, and then you're coming back, and you go to get on the elevator, and uh, Don Cherry's sitting on the elevator with you riding up, and uh, and that, that was probably, that, you know, to beat Don Cherry at that time, because those Rock'em Sock'ems were just starting to kick oh, off, yeah. and, and to get on one of them, you know, I thought I thought I was in heaven. I thought, shit, I'm playing with Guy Lafleur, and I'm meeting Don Cherry. I said, life's pretty goddamn good right now. <laughs> What what did Don you know? say, what did Don say in the elevator? Man, what that have been surreal. What did he what did he say? He just, he just looked at he he, said, he, said, he shook my hand. And he says, "That a boy, kid. Good job out there." And I, I and my I had the biggest smile on my face. I thought I thought I was God when he said that. You know, so that was and then was for for, for guys like and, for guys like you and I, that's almost like winning the 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 Rocket Richard Trophy, getting a handshake <laughs> and getting getting a pat on the back from 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 Grapes himself. Yeah, that was it. it was it was a. Uh, and then you know you're on as I make a couple of his early ones, the Rock and Sockins. I have a couple on there, and um, but I, I, you know, what the guy sit there uh, back in my, you know, many years ago, you would just sit there and watch the uh, hockey night in Canada just to see what Grapes would say because he was sort of, he was sort of speaking the what the what you believed in, you know, and he was speaking it, and I, I was a big fan of the man, so oh. it was uh, that was that was an interesting night. Absolutely. I remember like you could, we'd play mini sticks and screw around and all that. And then even as a kid or like if parents were having drinks in the background, playing little cards, like the game would be on. But then when it was uh coach's corner, it'd be like, Hey, 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 hey kids, shut up for a yeah. sec. Let's listen to this. 
I think they had <laughs> they had one game once where they um, they moved coach's corner to the second intermission. And it absolutely blew up. Like people were like, "What? I put my kids to bed after Coach's Corner. This is bullshit." And it lasted once, and that was it. Yeah. He, he I did, You know what though? He spoke. I, I, I know he's not there no more, but I, he just spoke the truth, man. And uh, he, he spoke the game that I, I guess I grew up playing. And you know, he was the coach of the Boston Bruins, and he, he had tough guys around him. And you know, I, I in St. Louis here, John Wenzik, who. Uh, probably one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet in hockey. He's, he lives in St. Louis here, and I've, I've had a chance to sit down with Wire a couple times and talk to him, and, you know, he just he, he, he does nothing but speak good words about the man. So I, I, I just think that's the kind of – if you were a guy that played uh, the role that you play and Don Cherry's sitting there, he, he's a guy I think that he's going to take care of you. You know what I mean? Absolutely, for sure. Before we get into you moving to Boston from St. Louis, uh, when you're in St. Louis, do you have any do you have any good Brett Hall stories? I know Chaser's got a million of them. Yeah, he, well, he Chaser hung out with him a little bit longer than I did. I, but Holly, you know, it was, um, I, I, you know, you, you tell story, but you every after the games, you know, you go out and you sit with the guy and you you sit in the bar and you sit and you drink with them and just to watch them though. I, I don't I don't get into telling too many stories about the guys that I hang out with, but I, you know, you get to just to sit there. You're sitting a kid from Lucky Lake. You're sitting there, and, and Chaser would be with me, I guess, the, the first year I was there, but. A kid from Porcupine Plains and Lucky Lake sitting with one of the best college goal scorers in life at a bar. That's pretty, pretty goddamn good, you know. Yeah, that's good. Did you? Sorry, did you? Did you fight? You must have fought Chaser at some point, didn't you? I, you know, I, 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 I believe I did. I, I think I fought him when he was in Humboldt and I was in Swift Current. He denies it, but I, I think I, I did. But I, I can't. I don't have no videotape to prove it. But he, I thought I did, and uh, he, he says no, but I say yes. So I don't know. <laughs> he probably denies it. If you got if you got the better of him, he denies it. I do. Uh, I do these yeah. NHL fantasy camps where I'll kind of look through the roster and I'll I'll poke a joke at each guy, and Chaser puts these functions <laughs> on. So it was finally by like you know I'm, I'm kind of running out of material. I was like I better take a poke at Chaser this year. So I'm kind of doing jokes on each guy, and I was like oh I'm going through the YouTube of uh, this guy. Like, oh man, killing this guy. And I was like, oh, I got on a YouTube vortex of watching Kelly Chase. I was on that thing for an hour. Could not could not find a fight. He won. I swear to God, <laughs> Chaser never listened to one other word I said the whole set. He sat there for 45 minutes just furious and he grabbed the microphone after because he's MC and he's like, I'll show you a goddamn fight I'll win. It'd be me and you right now in the goddamn parking lot. I'll rip that beard right off your goddamn fucking face. I was like, oh, I'm never making jokes about that guy again. <laughs> Great guy, I'm though. i let you come back to it after oh. that. I don't. Yeah, no, I, I, had a, I had a three-year ban. Don't get me wrong, but I. Uh, he's been great. The guy, one of my favorite guys. He helps me. I uh, do uh, all those fantasy camps. I actually did. Uh, uh, there was a roast in St. Louis. I was wondering if you were going to be there. We did a roast of Darren Pang. There would have been me, Chaser, uh, no. Stu Grimson, but you were. Yeah, no. you. You weren't there. I, I, just, I live over on the Illinois side. I'm not far, but I. I'm. I'll be honest. With you, I. I sit over here and I sort of mind my own business and I. I just stay in my own little hole over here and hide out, and that's all about all I do. So, because <laughs> Keith Kachuk was in the crowd too, and he put on some weight, and uh, I noticed some guys were starting to make <laughs> jokes of people in the crowd, and there was some of the appetizers were like these huge things, and one was bacon on a stick, and I was like, "Oh, look at this! Keith Kachuk didn't actually know a roast was happening out here; he just knew bacon on a stick was here." <laughs> Yeah, he put it. He put on a little weight, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Sit beside this guy beside me. He's got a giant head right now. I thought, they, I thought that. Uh, I thought maybe he was up in Canada playing the Teletubbies there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so then you go from uh, St. Louis. Here's the thing: when you go from St. Louis to Boston, you have Brian Sutter. So did you get along with Brian Sutter, and he wanted to get you in Boston, or how did that work? How'd you like Brian? Yeah, I was. I was uh, I got I actually got traded to St. Louis to Tampa Bay, so that was their it was going to be their first year. There was like me, Jablonski, uh, Steve Tuttle, and uh, Robinson uh, was the other kid. He was a big defenseman, and we got traded down there to Tampa. So I was probably getting ready to. I think I was actually getting ready to go to Tampa Bay, and probably about two days before I left, I got I found out I got traded to, to Boston. And you're right, Sudzy was there because he was a coach in St. Louis, so. Uh, he traded for me, and that's when I, you know, I drive up to Philadelphia, and 
I probably drove 16 hours the first, uh, I'm not Philadelphia, I drive into Boston, just outside of Philadelphia is where I, I, I got in a big car accident, and uh, so I ended up being, I broke my hand, and like four bones in my hand, and I ended up missing about 20 games of the season, I think. That was probably a bar fight, yeah. and you just set that up, you're just still, nope. you're sticking nope. to your story, hey? You know, you know, you know, you know what's sad, I, <laughs> I swear to God, I almost... I, I probably I probably shouldn't even come out, out alive out of the accident. My car was just a wreck, and I, but I drove 16 hours the night before. I woke up on about five hours sleep, and I had about eight hours left to go to get into Boston. So, I took off, and uh, I end up so I end up crashing. By the time I get out of the accident and go through surgery and everything, I, I still have people that first question they ask me, "Were you drinking?" I go, "Shut the hell up, was I drinking?" I, you know, that's what people are asking me. I say, "Get the hell out of here." Oh yeah, good defense. Good defense. <laughs> so how how did the accident happen? <laughs> a good offense is a good defense. Yeah. You don't lie when you just repeat the question. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Boston was a. I, I'll be honest with you, Boston. When I get to Boston, uh, when I finally get out of Boston, or I get out uh, and back to play, um, my year in Boston, I, I think I played fifty some games, and I. It was probably my funnest. I was living in a little town called Charleston over there. Um, Charlestown, not Charleston, Charleston. And uh, Jimmy Vesey was a guy over there. He scouts for the Toronto Maple Leafs now. Jimmy Vesey does. But he was uh, uh, a guy that lived in Charleston, and he was, uh, they took care of me over there, man. It was, uh, it was, a, it was pretty funny. That, 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 that's some stories there that some guys that probably were uh, uh, big wigs in the, in the mafia game, and they, they were there and. You'd be sitting with them, and you didn't even know that they were there, and but they were good people to me, so they were good people to have on the side, you know. Oh, I went out with the Greek mob in uh, after a show in Montreal once. Hey, great people if they're on your side. I had a great night. <laughs> was Lyndon Byers around at the time? Is Lyndon Byers around at no. that time? No, he left. He, he was there before me. Lyndon was, and uh, he's gone. But there's a there's a movie there's a movie called uh, the Town that's shot in Boston. You know the town with uh, Ben uh, Ben Affleck. Oh yeah. Ben Affleck, yeah. So that town, but there's a couple guys that that movie's based on that I'd uh, I'd uh, I'd known, and uh, so that was it was pretty interesting. Pretty, I'd, I'd never known it at the time. I find out later, but it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, because who's the mob? Isn't Chris Nyland supposed to be ties with who's the the mobster there in the that goes missing? No, that was there? Whitey. Whitey, yeah. I think he married into uh, Whitey Bulger's uh, family. That's it. I think he married his daughter at one time. Yeah, that's I, it. I don't believe he. I don't believe uh, I don't believe he's with her anymore. But I uh, but it was Whitey Bulger because I, I remember before I even knew Knuckles. I you know I, I've only and it's not like I sit there and talk to him every day. But I you know I've, I've become friends with him through Jimmy Vesey and that. And uh, but uh, you'd see the Whitey Bulger showed up to a, a Canadians game and they I guess that's who Knuckles. He was from Saudi and I think uh, that's where he uh, ended up dating this girl at. But uh, but I don't believe he's with her anymore. Okay, in Boston, you got uh, how was Ray Bork and Cam Neely to play with? I've done a few functions with uh, Ray. He's a good time. Yeah, Ray's a good guy, a real good guy. And Cam was, uh, you know, Cam was. That's where Alf come in, and he hit him in the with the knee or whatever, and screwed his knee up. And uh, Cam was, you know, he's rehabbing it the whole time. He'd come back as uh, Adam Oates. Uh, he he'd been traded from St. Louis to Boston, so I'd played with Oates in St. Louis, and now he's in Boston and. Uh, when when Cam got back, they were playing together. But just I could only imagine what Cam would have been like if he had had two healthy legs there for a while. It was just what he was doing on probably one and a quarter leg. It was it was unbelievable. And uh, we we you know that year I think that's when Pittsburgh I I believe Pittsburgh goes back to back with Mario and Yager and them when they win the Stanley Cups. But I I believe I thought we were we were in second place in the league that year I think and uh, behind Pittsburgh which went on to win it. That's when the Mayday goal. That's the Mayday goal that goes on when they uh, Mayday they beat us in four, I think three overtimes. But Mayday uh, Mayday scores the goal in overtime and he beats Bubba there. And uh, oh yeah, that's probably one. Of, that's a big goal. That's one of the biggest goals in hockey. Probably he'll go down. Oh, what a great guy to score that goal! I went over to the Middle East with that guy too. That's a big beauty, Mayday. Yeah, so going yeah, back I, to Adam you know, Oates. I, I don't know. I don't know him personally, but I I've, I've been on Twitter here a little bit lately, and uh, he uh, he's got on there, and I've uh, you know responded a couple times to him but he seems like a good guy yeah he is going back to adam oates he played with him uh, a couple times to a couple different places is he as intense or ocd about the hockey craft as everybody says yeah you know what so that goes i'll tell you what so well 
we'll tie the two in together because Holly and Oti were so Holly's. Uh, you know, they they tell all the stories about Holly and you know you know how crazy Holly is. You know, he he says whatever's on his mind and all that. But these two guys, when they get together, they it's it's almost like they don't like stupidness. You know what I mean? If if you're stupid around them, they just don't like it. And if if anything's done on the ice, they're these guys, and that's probably why they're so damn good because it's it's just they uh, they they want they wanted perfection, and that Ochi was all about perfection, man. He would look at you, and if you did something stupid, he would just He'd probably shake his head at you or something like that. But he was, he was intense. Um, he, he just wanted, he wanted things done the right way. He expected a lot out of people, and uh, to, and to live up to that, you know, he he wanted that out of you all the time because he he was giving it himself. So, and you know, if you go, I know obviously Wayne and Mario and these guys they talk about him and that. But as far as a playmaker comes, you know, Ot's gonna Ot falls in there pretty high, man, on the list. He's, he he just. He was good. He 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 knew the damn game in and out. Yeah, his face matches you, you intensity. Almost, <laughs> you almost feel bad playing because their 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 hockey scent is so much above yours, and you're like, "What do I need to do? I just don't understand what you're expecting from me." <laughs> it was the guys when they played in St. Louis together. It's it was kind of funny because like Gino Cavallini played a lot there with them. Sergio Romesso would play on the wing with them. Uh, you know, they would throw guys on there, but I I would sit there. Uh, on the bench, and you know, you listen to this, and you, you, I don't care what you do, you, you can't say nothing. To, not Ot wouldn't say it out loud. He was a little, a little more respectful than Holly was. Holly would just flat out tell you what the hell was going on. <laughs> and, but it was, I that would that was that was just painful to listen to some of the shit that was going on there, though, because they expected so much. You you were you were playing on that line. You you were going into forecheck, and then you were going into backcheck, and you you were doing all that shit. And if you didn't do it, they didn't like it, and the shit was flying, you know. So. So you but just Gino, hope your your, your name wasn't called with those two. <laughs> you were hoping you you didn't have to do a couple shifts. Oh, I'm uh, look on the board at the at the pregame meeting and say, oh shit, I'm with Hall and Oates. Yeah, that was it. Was kind of funny. I'll I'll tell you a quick story because Kelly Chase was so Chaser gets called up and then Chaser, you know, he's he's uh, he's pretty well kissing Holly's ass the whole time and uh, you know he's, he's playing his cards right, so he's, he's keeping tight with Holly. But I was laughing because Holly had some clout back in the day. He ends up getting Chaser on a on the line with him for a game. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm sitting there going, what the hell the fuck is he pulling this one out? <laughs> and so there's a game where, where Chaser gets up there to play on Holly's line. So the first fucking shift, he goes out there. Now he's playing with Holly and Oates and the first shift he goes out there and he fights someone and he never gets on the, he never gets on the line again. He's done. Back, back, he's back to my line again. I started laughing my ass off. It was stupid ass. <laughs> oh, that's gold. <laughs> Oh, so then you go, uh, you go Boston, and then you uh, then you go to uh, Chicago, and you get you get the other Sutter brother. What's the difference between uh, yeah, I, Brian and Daryl? I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of him. I just uh, he was uh, there were too much mind games going on with him. He was uh, you know he'd yank you in and out of the lineup, pull you. Uh, uh, he, he just you know he, you were getting yanked out of the lineup half the time. You didn't know if you were playing. Confidence level was way down. He just he was just a hard guy to play for. He was uh, if you weren't in the I just wish I would have never got traded there, but hey, shit happens, and you live with it, and you go through the process. But Brian and Daryl were – Brian, he would play me – at least dress me for the games. The other guy's playing games with you, so I, I just didn't uh, – you, you can't play the game when that's going on. When you're coming in and out of the lineup, you, you have no idea what you're doing, man. Was it hard to put on that Blackhawks jersey after playing for St. Louis and having the rivalry like that? No, you know what? It was uh, – No, the paychecks were uh, the same. Somehow, it was fine? It, it, <laughs> I got to play. First guy, to, you know, when I was playing with the Blues, uh, we had a little bit of a line brawl. It's, uh, it goes down as uh, St. Patty's Day Massacre yep. here in St. Louis. You see it every year. But I, I knocked JR's tooth. Uh, I knocked one of his teeth out in the, in the brawl. And it's, just, it's not much. It's not a lot of great fighting, but I just get a hold of JR and hit him about four times. And uh, he's the first guy, when I get traded to Chicago and I, I walk into the building they come you know I, I take the cab down and get out and they they find me and they take me into the dressing room and jr was the first guy there and he's been a good friend ever since and it's kind of crazy how that works but J, you know jr uh he he was one of he was probably one of the uh, I, I hung out with him all the time and it was just uh I, I just respected the way the guy played he put he hung it on the line man he got he got the shit kicked out of him a lot of times just by the he's just an unbelievable hockey player if, if i was a hockey player uh, you know, I obviously, and you, you were going to be, you look up to these guys you played with, just the way he played and the the, the hits that he threw, and he, he threw his body on the line, and he, and he could still score some beautiful goals, man. And he was just he was just a great guy, great guy. 
It's funny you say that about JR. I when I was talking to uh, Ray Bork of like who did he hate playing against and who he liked playing against, and he said because the difference between like playing against Mario and that he goes he goes I didn't hate playing against it. I I liked it and I it would raise my game and I was ready to play against. He goes the guys I hated playing against, and he goes were uh, like Messier and Jeremy Roenick because Roenick would come at you all the time. You get the puck and this fucking guys all over you, hammering you and that. And that was just the way JR played and it, and a real good time too. When you get when you're when you're a guy like Ray Bork though and playing that and you're playing against Gretzky and you're playing against uh, Mario, you know you're not going to get hit right by those guys. So you know it's uh you're you're there, it's, but you're, you're trying to they're the best players in the world. So you got to bring a different aspect. But you're in the Boston Garden and the rink's not as big, or you're playing Chicago Stadium where the rinks are a little bit smaller and the puck's getting dumped in your corner. And this and Jr. could fucking skate, man. And and when he was coming, he wasn't coming to. Just take the fuck away from you. He was going to run their ass over. And he, he didn't care who you were. He just and that's that's what I, I respected so much about the guy. And and for him, I, I just looking for him to not be in the Hall of Fame with what's going on with some of these guys they're putting in there. I, I just shake my head at some of the shit that goes on with the NHL nowadays. It's just it's just crazy. Some of the, like this guy here is. If you're going to put a lot of these guys in, this guy here deserves to be in a long time ago. So that's where I went wrong. I didn't ask to play against Mario enough. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the problem right maybe there, yeah. i just should have asked i don't know so you had uh in chicago you get jr you had uh chelios and belfort what what was uh what was belfort like i'm always intrigued with how uh goalies are and obviously eddie liked to have a couple of drinks have a good time too but such a competitor what, what was eddie and chelios like he, well i'll go to chelly for chelly probably was the Probably the number one teammate that you would ever have. He would, you know, he was a great guy, an unbelievable guy. He would anything you needed, he would do for you. He would get for you if you needed something. He was just a all-around great guy. If you go out with the boys, he was right there with you. Um, to watch him on the ice, you know, he could he could stay out till four in the morning, and he'd be the hardest working guy on. He brought it, you know, he he brought it at both ends, man. He could he could play the game, and he he worked his ass off. And that 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 was one thing about that Chicago team. You had Jr., you had him, and Belfour. It, it, it was a work ethic from the top down. Dirk Graham was a captain. He was a work guy, but that's why he, it, at least you had to come work if you played on that team. And that that, that was one thing they did. But Eddie Eagles, uh, he, Eagle was in my wedding party also. He was one of the uh, my best men in my wedding party. I lived with him for a year in uh, Chicago, and uh, he, he was, I'll tell you what intensity. Uh, that's a he he takes it. That's not even a word to describe Eagle because it even goes beyond that on game day. It's just he's a crazy son of a bitch, man. It's uh. You don't you don't want to mess with him on game day. If things got to be right, and if you, uh, I'll, I'll tell you when I was when the Dodge Viper come out. Remember those cars, the Dodge Viper. Oh, I remember that yeah. sports car. Well, when that come out, uh, Eagle bought he bought two of them or whatever. He used to race car, built racing engines for these cars at one point in time in his career. So um, he had two of them, but one was at this place in Chicago, and he uh, usually I would I was one of the early guys going down to the rink. Me and Greg Smith. Uh, Bird Dog, he would, uh, we, we lived together with at, at Eagles and we would, we'd drive down and for some reason, I think, I, I think I was scratched that night or, or something. And so Bird Dog went down early with my vehicle and, uh, I jump in with Eagle and to watch this fucking guy drive through fucking Chicago, air, the traffic was fucking, I'll tell you where we're in this car and we're passing people where we don't belong to be passing. And I, I was, I was shit scared driving to a hockey game with a, with a man and we got, when we get down to the rink and we got out of there, I, I didn't say nothing to him at the time because I wasn't fucking around. He, you know, he's a starting goalie and I knew what he was doing. We got there, but I joked about it the next day with the, with, with Bird Dog in there. And I said, "I'll tell you what, I'll never ride with that motherfucker again." And this guy used to fly planes, and I said, "I'll never get in a fucking plane with that motherfucker again." Son of a bitch! I don't that know if I'm getting the, the story mixed up, but were you there the night when somebody pulled a knife on Bird Dog and he he went after the guy that had the knife? No, I, I wasn't there when uh, that. But I, I was in the. We, I was in a few scraps of Bird Dog out in. The, we, we got in, a few, in Halifax together. We got in a few fights, but I didn't. I, I wasn't there. Oh, I was there in. Well, in Tampa Bay, we did it too. Uh, we got a little bit of scuffle there, but I don't remember a knife being involved in it. <laughs> well, speaking, of, did you ever? Uh, you got in a few. I know you got in a few off-season tilts too, yeah. right? Yeah, it was probably my. It was probably my biggest downfall. It was you know I got. Uh, we were in Prince Albert. We were young. We were full of, you know, drinking the Jack Daniels at the time. And it was uh, uh, the summertime. I, it's probably the time you should be resting, not doing a lot of fighting. And I was doing a lot of fighting. So it was, 
I, uh, I think in Prince Albert, uh, you know, every Saturday night there, you get to the bar and eventually you'd come out and get up to Bourbon Street or wherever the hell you're at. And, uh, the main event was going on outside and that was usually my ass in it. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I, sh- I wish I would have. I wish I wouldn't have done as much as that, but I did. I, we had fun. It was a, it was a blast. It's, uh, so that, Kelly and I are going to blame it on you then, old, because man. we tried to do that too. <laughs> yeah, you started the younger generation. Yeah, we, we, we always looked up to you guys, and we were trying to do the same thing outside Uncle Chuck's, City Slickers. <laughs> but that was Prince the, Albert. Remember, like when the bar would close in Prince Albert, you'd go out and you'd say, "Okay, let's get some off sale," and you're like, "Well, let's watch a few tilts, and then we'll get going," because there was always there was always tilts, and then you're like, "Okay, and we're gone. Perfect." The best ones were in the middle of winter when you came home at Christmas yeah, and there was, everybody was trying to dance with cowboy boots on the ice. <laughs> we went out there, you get out, uh, you get in Prince Albert, and then in the summertime you're out there at Emma Lake and uh, you get out to that bar there and uh, at Bell's Beach, was they, Bell's Beach would have big parties out there too and, uh, you know, it was just... Uh, too much, too much alcohol, and then too much fun at the end. It was just, it was something else, man. Something oh else. yeah. Well, okay. Uh, we'll let you get going here in a bit, uh, Darren. What's, uh, what's your? Do you have a greatest fight that you think? Like I, I watched so many of your fights. There's one with you. I think you might be in the AHL when you fight Chris Simon. And man, that one just is nuts. Do you have a fight that uh, stands out as like that's my favorite fight of all time, or does it? Or do you have like just fighting Probert? Do you have that as a? Like a thing up there on the mantle, or uh, what do you uh, what do you have as your best fight, or do you have one? I, I think uh, well, there's two ones that. So the Troy Crowder one, when I I talked about Crowder earlier on with you guys, but Troy Crowder, he was like he would fought Probert, and everyone was saying he was this and that, and anyway, and he was tough. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying he wasn't, but uh, I'd fought him, and everything went well for me, and I, I ended up doing really well for him, knocking him, I pretty well knocked him down, and. Um, that one's there, and then the, the LaForge fight when LaForge comes out of the Ontario League, and he's supposed to be uh, not supposed to be—I shouldn't say it that way—but you know, he come out of there, he was uh, going to be the there was this tough guy that was coming out of the Ontario League, and he went to Hartford, and I was in Quebec, and and I was on a roll at the time, and uh, so we played him, and I I cut him for a bunch of stitches and that, and I, I, he'll he'll even say it himself when he fought me, it was pretty well the end of what. Uh, you know that was pretty well the end of him. He just he couldn't he couldn't recover after that. And I've seen him in an interview say that. So that that, that you know those are on the ice. Those are a couple. I had some I had some doozies off the ice, but those are on the ice. Those were, uh, those were a couple of a better ones. But I had I had one. I told a I was on another podcast with some guys down here that fight. They follow the the fight game and all that. There's you know all these fighters and. I was telling about the one time I was in Ottawa and uh, I was living in Kingston with Trevor Steinberg and Jeff Brown. He uh, he played in Blues and the Vancouver Canucks and all that, and I went up to Ottawa to see Brownie, and me and his uh, his buddy was a cop, and his cop wasn't working that night. But I went over to a bar, and uh, you know we, we were we again we we're into the booze pretty hard, and uh, I was over by this bar, and I was just sitting in it by myself, and there was about four or five of these guys, and I don't know if they were I don't think they were CFL, but they were probably college football guys, and they're big sons of bitches. And they were sort of making fun of this uh, person there. And I, you know me, I just said, I got my nose involved with it. And I, uh, so I ended up going outside and this is on Canada Day. And I'm sitting in Ottawa on Canada Day. And uh, probably when this fight gets going, this, this fight lasts for probably two minutes, I bet you. And this, uh, there, there might have been 5,000 people watching us. It was just like, it was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and, uh, the funny, the, no, it was, it, was, it was a great fight too. I, I couldn't. I was hitting this guy with everything I had, and I uh, I couldn't get him to go down, and he was hitting me, and I wasn't going anywhere, so we were just going. And the cop, Brownie's buddy, he uh, eventually, when it was all over, um, everyone crowded in there, and he grabbed me and got me the hell out of there because the cops were coming. So we get out of there, and we went back to Brownie's place, and we were sitting there, and, and at the time, the night started, I was, like Brownie was there, Steve Eiserman was there at the time, and, you know, this Stevie Y, and they wouldn't have known me, knew Brownie because Brownie played against them. But Brownie's sitting there looking down on the balcony at where we had started the, uh, the night at, and he was up there, and he's looking down on the thing, and he comes back to the house when the night's over, and he goes, you guys, you fucking missed it, man. You would have seen one of the best fucking fights ever. This, this fucking guy's out there in the square fighting. And I looked at Brownie and go, hey, you fucking idiot. That was me, you dumbass. <laughs> oh, that's but gold. That was, uh, that was a beauty. That, that, was probably, that, that might go down as one of my best fights ever. It was, it was just... 
Oh. <laughs> on Canada Day, sitting in fucking Ottawa. With about, <laughs> I, I swear to God, there, there could have been 5,000 people watching us. It was, it was right in the square, and it was unbelievable. Happy birthday, Canada. Yeah, they're, they're, what a Canadian. Yeah, in the, in the nation's capital. The nation's capital. An absolute prime, prime time. CFL versus the NHL right here. That's awesome. You should have got, you should have yeah, got that royalties. Was, that was Saskatchewan Rough Riders going out to the fucking uh, Ottawa Rough Riders. Yes, it was. <laughs> oh, right on. I don't know if uh, you follow the podcast, Darren. You probably don't, but there's a last question we always do, and it's uh, it's just called, have, have you ever shit your pants and sharts count uh, a shit your pants story? Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got one. Because yeah. I asked this to each one, and there was one person that didn't, and someone said, I've learned one thing from listening to Tick with a Side of Tats. There's two types of people, people who shit their pants and fucking liars. So do you have a, a whoop-a-daisy story? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't, I, uh, like, like, as what, like the drunk shit your pants? Is that where you're going with it? Doesn't or, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. matter. If you've got a sober one, that's fine too. You can do both. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, you get the, after a night He's going to ask us how much time do we have, I think. <laughs> after a night of drinking and then you, uh, go to practice and you come out and you go to the Chinese buffet and you're going to go to a 10 mile ride home. It gets, it gets a little tight. Yeah. You might, there might, there might've been some squeaking going on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Oh, well, right on. Uh, Kimby, thank you so much for, uh, for doing this podcast. Reed Simpson's got a lot to live up to now. Okay. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Darren. Thanks Lance Peters for being the scout in Lucky Lake for, for finding this guy. Uh, Oh, yeah, thank you. We should have we should have Laser Lance uh, on here one day too. Oh. Okay, that, Kimby, that, that, he's got he'd have a lot of stories for you, Lanny. But he's uh, he's he's hung with us all. It would be pretty good. Yeah, he'd be a three part series. The La- the Lance <laughs> Peters story be on Netflix. Make sure you yeah, make sure you put a bottle of whiskey there because then it would all come out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, right on. Well, Darren, can't thank you enough, buddy. Uh, that was that was great. Uh, thank you so much for doing it. You have a great day. Yeah, that was awesome. Have a great yeah, weekend. Okay, take care, buddy. Thanks, all- thanks for everything. Thanks for everything, guys. Take care of yourself. Right on. All the best. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, well, how good was Darren Kimball? That was, oh, that was uh, awesome. That was great little flashback because that's, uh, that's a guy that me and Joey would have watched uh, growing up and always known as one of the toughest guys so uh absolutely just that era 80s 80s early 90s with the raiders they had so much toughness coming through there it was like you know just going to see all those guys rich pilon dave manson darren kimball just awesome awesome to grow up watching those guys and now to talk to them and hear all those stories that's pretty pretty cool Oh, bad! Yeah, he lived a he lived a great NHL career. Hung out with all those guys. Like that that's cool. That's the beauty of the NHL is, um, I, and more than I think other sports, more than like the NBA or something like that. Like where you got like a fourth line scrapper, they're best friends with the guys that are the top guys on the team. That they just the, this team dynamic. What a, that was great. And our first one with me and uh, Stinko Tedarenko sitting in together, slamming uh, slamming a couple bars early in the morning. Yeah, and uh, I. And then we got to get into uh, player golf. Use that tick with a side of Tets 20 for 20% off of that. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to keep hammering these out. We're going to get Reed Simpson later on. So thank you guys for listening. What do you want there, Joe? Tell me. You don't have to do well, whisper we to just, me. Uh, we drink a lot of whiskey too. So shout oh, out to. Yeah, uh, Canadian Club. But they didn't give me a crate on the last one when I drove through. So I got to get the E and get that Canadian Club going. <laughs> now we're just spitting dust with our, our late night cocktails. But yes, Canadian Club. Thank you to uh, Graham Dillette and Bards. And, and Dillette's going to be golfing September 10th, uh, his first one back. So hopefully his back nice. Good luck is with that. Uh, going. He can swing it. But it's just a matter of walking the uh, whole, walking the four hours and that. So. Good luck to uh, our man, D-Let. So uh, thank you guys for listening and love it. We love hearing back from you guys saying, when's the next episode, man? That uh, feels good. We have 12,000 listens in 11 episodes. That's great. That's pretty good. Yeah. And now that I'm touring, uh, you know, getting to some clubs, we'll get the word out. So That means the people in St. Louis listen to it 24 times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There we go. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, that was Tick with a side of Tets. And Tick and Tets were together for the first time. So we love it. Have a great one, guys. Take care.